Welcome in the Hardcore Penn State Football Special Edition of the show today. We are on vacation, so we're going to release this episode with an interview with Mitch Gerber, Director of Creative and Brand Strategy at J1S. He's also doing his own little things at MitchGerber.com, helping athletes brand themselves in this new era of name, image, and likeness. And also maybe share some Penn State stories with his time with the Penn State Athletic Department. Mitch Gerber, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome in a hardcore Penn State football special, special guest with me today, Mitch Gerber, brand and strategy director at J1S. What is going on, Mitch? Not much, Corey. Good to uh, good to catch up with you again. Always good to hear from somebody in Penn State country up there in uh, State College, Pennsylvania, and, and looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, thanks, Mitch, and thanks for spending some time. Uh, we will be talking about your trip to L.A. perhaps a little bit later on in the show, um, but you're heading out there later this week, so all, all safe travels there. Glad we were able to fit this in because, honestly, as soon as I found out you were leaving Penn State, I was like, okay, well, whatever he's going to be leaving for has got to be pretty sweet because what you were able to do and, and kind of all of what you were able to do at Penn State, um, everything you did was impressive. Everything you did was top-notch. Uh, I think I speak for a lot of the Penn State fans that were sad to see you go because you you did a fantastic job there, um, and you took this new role at J1S. What is J1S for people that don't know, and and what are you doing now that was so awesome that you left State College in Happy Valley? Yeah, first off, I, I appreciate the kind words, and obviously it was a it was a tough decision to leave State College and the role that I had there, and enjoyed four really good football seasons there and uh, I'll definitely always cherish that time there in Happy Valley and working with Penn State Athletics from Sandy Barber to, to James Franklin and so on and so forth I've made uh, lifelong friends there I know that that's a cliche thing around the industry of sports but really I do truly feel um, State College and, and Penn State Athletics was something special so um, when J1S called and and kind of consulted me about an opportunity within the NIL world. Um, it had been a world that I knew and everybody else knew that was coming down the pipeline and it was coming down quickly like a freight train. Um, and so I'd always known that I don't know that my my big picture career was necessarily always doing sports broadcasting. I say that um, not to say that if ESPN called tomorrow and said, hey, Mitch, we'd love to get you on air, that that's always going to be my little kid dream inside of me. But um, knowing that there was an IL opportunity, it was a brand new industry within the sports world. I've always had aspirations to, to start my own business. And so 
when I was talking to my CEO at J1S, whose name is Michael Calvin Jones, um, he re reiterated multiple different times, like, hey, dude, if you come down here and we do this for a couple of years and you learn a lot on the business side of things, you can certainly open your own company. You've got the factor for it. You've got um, the, the confidence behind you and professionalism and stuff like that. So I knew that I had the relationship side of my background pretty well established. Um, and I say that from the, the aspect of, I feel confident that I can walk into a room of head coaches and have a conversation with them at a high level. Same thing with athletic directors, same thing with athletes and their parents. What I, what I knew I was missing though, was the business side. And so J1S, my role here is really to, to dive into more of the personal branding side and learn the business side of things. And um, specifically with um, our CEO, Michael Calvin Jones, and then um, USC Athletics as well. So um, J1S has been awesome so far. It's been hitting the ground running with this crazy, as people call it, wild, wild west as NIL is today. Um, but I've really enjoyed it so far and certainly will always, like I said, off the bat, cherish my time in Happy Valley. Okay, so when you're a part of J1S, now, are you... Is it broken down almost to like you are in charge of an area or you're in charge of a group of people and then you kind of get to do whatever you want with it? Or is all that other stuff, all the MitchGerber.com stuff, is that all part of J1S and how you're able to kind of go off and, and do your own thing at the same time? Can, can you explain that a little bit better? Yeah, that's a really, really good question, actually. So J1S is my full time job as it stands today. Um, that's where I report to every single day. That's where I learn all the business side of stuff. And then my CEO, as I mentioned earlier, is has has blessed me with the opportunity to come home and and do some stuff on the side. And and hopefully I'll be able to launch my own company here sooner than later. So when it when you see my social media and you see all the branding stuff, talking about NIL and talking about student athletes and how they should um, really cherish and and push their brand, all that stuff is on the side in some sense. But I'm lucky because I get to correlate the two worlds right now between um, my personal brand of the Mitch Gerber audio experience and what's to come in the business side of that, plus J1S. And so really across the platforms, I get to understand more. I get to learn that business side, as I've referenced multiple times. Um, and so it, it's been a really cool opportunity. But to answer your question, it is two separate sides with the ultimate goal. And I'm not shy about this. I'm not shy about this to anybody. And I'll say it on here. The ultimate goal is to open my own company here in the next couple of years. And that being in the personal branding side of things, specifically focused on athletes, um, coaches and CEOs. So that's the goal. And I work every day towards it. And each day you, you got to chip away a little bit more. First of all, that is awesome that your boss is giving you that sort of freedom and also encouraging that. I mean, that's, that's top notch right there. So that's really cool. I also like how you're able to do both at the same time. And in a way they, they kind of complement each other. So that, that's really cool too. So J1S is focusing more specifically on these, these personal brands the same way, or, or really what's the difference between the two are, is J1S focused more on uh, teams as a whole compared to the individuals? Yeah, so J1S is um, it's broken down into two sides of the company. So one of our divisions is a talent agency, and they represent, I think, 30 of some of the top influencers in the industry right now. So if you ever heard of the name of Jenna Palak, who's a huge TikTok star, we represent her. Um, and then the other side of the agency, simply put, is a media company, which is called Stay Doubted. So 
Um, I'll try to break this down for you as simply and easily as I can, Corey, but stop me if you have any questions along the way. So the talent division, I don't work a whole lot with. The media company side of things, though, I, I do have a heavy hand in that um, on a day-to-day -day basis, as well as our obviously working with our CEO. Um, so on the media side, it's called Stay Doubted, and Stay Doubted is a media company that reaches out to places like USC um, and hopefully some bigger demographics here down the road. They've also done some work with Georgia Tech in the past. And so USC is the, the big focal point right now with NIL. And so when we when I say that we work with USC, we are their official um, NIL partner. And it's been a, an interesting and cool relationship to see all that unfold. Um, and I was even late to the party, but I knew that they had something special going for them. So being able to travel with our CEO out to Los Angeles, California, and and see some of those conversations take place with athletes and administrators and, and former players and donors and stuff like that. It's, it's just opened my eyes to another angle of sports that I knew I was missing. Um, not that Penn state didn't have that, but it's just a, it's, it's a different chapter in my life. And so being able to see one of the top markets in the entire country, in the entire world in Los Angeles, top three market, um, all those different media opportunities, all those different personal branding opportunities. It was something that I wasn't able to pass up and is still to this day is something that I obviously enjoy going out there and, and being a part of that stuff. So um, I know that's kind of a, a long winded answer for you, but the easiest way to put it is we've got two different divisions within J1S, the talent division, and then our media company. Um, and the, the hope is to expand that in the next several years. No, no, we like we like long-winded answers here. Uh, you can you can talk as much as you want. I have to side kind of branch you for a second though, because it came up, and I'm interested in in your take on this because it's something that a lot of people have talked about. Um, whether or not there's a lot of truth to it, maybe it's just a poor reputation thing at this point. A lot of conversations happened when name, image, and likeness first started happening, and players started getting deals. That Penn State was kind of behind the eight ball a little bit. Obviously, you left. In early or middle spring or so and since then i think maybe things have improved at least from what we've been able to see from the outside looking in what are your thoughts on what's penn state sort of behind it i mean obviously j1s was out there reaching out to usc early were those same companies reaching out to penn state what was that dynamic like when this thing first you know took took sale you know, I don't know that anybody, to be very transparent with you, I, I don't know that anybody knew what they were doing. Um, and, and I say that because it's like, here's this market of college athletics, and it's a Division One institution. There's hundreds of them across the country. And then all of a sudden, you implement this thing that's coming down the pipeline that everybody knew about. And July 1st hits, and now it's quote-unquote approved for multiple different states around the country. Yes, there's different laws and there's some different um, justifications with different states and stuff like that that happened at that time. But I think everybody knew it was coming. I don't think Penn State was behind. I think everybody was behind and I really think the NCAA was behind. Um, I'm going to kind of kind of go out on a, a bold ledge here and, and just talk about the NCAA for a second because I do think that they had their opportunity to make something of this. They had their opportunity to be able to say, hey, we knew we know this is coming. We know this is a major issue, which they they acknowledged it was an issue, but there was nothing really done. 
And so now we're at a point where the NCAA is saying, okay, well, we want to potentially make these rules. We want to do this, or we want to do that. It's too late. Like there's so many things that have now gone down the hill um, towards the institutions and stuff like that. So um, I think the, the easiest answer I can give you is moving forward, whatever happens with these super conferences and stuff like that, as we talk today in, in mid-July, I believe that it should be up to some of those super conference conference offices to be able to dictate how some of this stuff goes. So let's say it is the Big Ten and the SEC at the end of the day that are, are the, the mega stars with the TV deals and stuff like that. How does that look? Well, it's up to the conferences to dictate what some of those NIL rules are. So that's just like a little bit of insight into to my brain, I guess you can say, as far as what I've seen. But um, to go back and answer your question, I don't know that Penn State was late. Um, I think the NCAA was late. Everybody knows that. And I think ultimately now it's up to every school to play catch up. And some schools have been able to play catch up a little bit quicker than others. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt the NCAA dropped the ball on it. I mean, once the, the genie's out of the bottle, it's you know hard to get it back in. So, I mean, yeah, that's that's evident. That's clear. Uh, and we all knew it. I mean, you, you spoke with Matt Brown not too long ago. Uh, I spoke with Matt Brown. I believe it was the, the summer, maybe the June or maybe even the, the April before uh, – NIL became real and, and it was like we know what was coming and there was nothing that was really going to stop it. So I am curious as far as recruiting tools, what ends up happening if people do try to start limiting? Will, will kids you know, avoid certain conferences that aren't allowing certain things? So that, that should be interesting, too. But I want to do get back um, to, to the to you being at USC and, and what you're doing there and how J1S kind of goes through the whole process, because from what my understanding is, how are these universities working with these type of companies when it can't necessarily be started or be communicated through the athletic department itself? Yeah. So the way that um, J1S and what our um, initiative is with USC, it's called Boulevard. And so I think the hot topic, the hot term, whatever you want to label this is around the country right now is collectives, right? So everybody says, oh, what, what collective is this? How many collectives does this school have? Collectives are great right now, in my opinion. But one of the biggest problems with collectives as we sit here and talk today, mid-July, is at some point in time, those donors or whoever is funneling money into those collectives is going to say, well, wait a second. Where's my return on investment for this entire thing? Right? So if you sit there and you say, well, I don't know, how are we getting this money back? Sure, donors for the most part across the country have endless supplies of money to a certain extent. But at some point in time, you're going to have to develop some sort of system that says, we're going to return this money back into our athletic department, which is into and going to return money back to its athletes and, and so on and so forth. So with Boulevard, the, the cool thing that drew me to J1S and my CEO, Michael Calvin Jones specifically was they had a program. And if you go look up the press release, it describes the, uh, into a little bit more detail, but the cool thing about them is yes, they operate part of a collective part as a collective, I should say. But the other part is focused on, Hey, we have to help these athletes create their brands. We have to get them partnership deals. We have to talk them through what financial literacy is. So if that means that you're going to go partner with a fidelity or somebody like that, that's going to say, Hey, we'll come in and provide some of that educational content on the financial side so that 
when a athlete makes a hundred thousand dollars, you're not actually getting a hundred thousand dollars at the end of the day, right? Like uncle Sam wants a little cut of that check, right? Everybody that, that is living in the day-to-day world understands that the tax thing and so on and so forth. But one of the biggest things I've been surprised about, which isn't a secret around the country is just the, the lack of understanding on the financial literacy side to how some of that stuff works as well as personal brandings, you really name it. There's all these different avenues within within NIL that have been exposed and now have to have some sort of educational background to help these athletes at the end of the, at the end of the day, so they don't lock themselves into a corner. And I think one of the biggest problems right now is some athletes are getting to campus and they're saying, "Okay, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars. Great, so do I." So do you, Corey, right? So when yeah, you show up nice. to campus and you say, I want to make $100,000, I'm going to go sign autographs. I'm going to go host a golf tournament on behalf of a bank or something like that. But you've got no logistical brand to help sell yourself. You're not going to make $100,000 and be up in that top 10, top 5% of NIL earners consistently year after year. So where I say some of those concerns are is personal branding, financial financial education, stuff like that, which I think institutions are starting to do a better job of allowing their athletes and and administrators and all that stuff to get involved in that front in the, in that front which is definitely needed. So um I don't know if that fully answers your question, but there's definitely obviously concerns with NIL and stuff like that. But on the Boulevard front with USC, our program is allowing all that stuff to happen um, as the official NIL partner of USC athletics. So most of that communication is coming through the collective. So we are not, are they, are they, are they basically the, the middleman between you two, as far as, linking you guys together so so there's no um we don't labor ourselves as a collective like sure do we have a branch of that that you could technically probably say is there some sort of collective element there yes but as far as the middleman like we are the middleman j1s and stay doubted is the middleman that is providing some of those athletes these opportunities so i'll kind of paint it in a clear picture for you so you talked about off the bat traveling to LA and I'm going out to LA and a part of that is production shoots. So we're allowing um, some athletes to, we're going to come in and we're going to pay them X amount of dollars to be able to come make some content with us. And it'll be a fun afternoon. And they're going to talk about this and they're going to talk about that. Um, And it's going to, it's going to be lighthearted content for them, but that's what USC, the, the deal and the partnership allows us to do is we are the, individuals that get to get in that firsthand pick, I guess you could say, to be able to work with them. So we are the middleman for USC athletics. Okay. I'm with you now. So I guess my next question is where does your money come from? So the partnership, where are you guys finding the money to then give to those athletes? How is that? Who's on the other side of that partnership? Yep. Yep. So there's actually, uh, I don't know if you've looked into like Tennessee athletics at all. Um, I think Georgia might have the same system. I'm not totally sure about them, but, um, there's basically a tier system that you can sign up for. So if you sign up for tier system, a, you're going to pay X amount of dollars per year and you're going to get access to this and you might get a, 
um, a towel or something like that that says USC Athletics. And there's tier systems that go all the way up to X amount of dollars. Um, and when when we fully launch in August, some of that information will come out in in, in bigger waves. Um, but there is the there's the tier system that you can dictate 50% of where you want your money to go to. So if you say, hey, I'm Corey and I want 50% of my money to go to football, okay, 50% of your money is going to go to football. And then the other 50% is going to go into a general athlete fund or athletics fund um, that will then get dispersed towards whatever needs to happen. So if that's, or whatever program I should say. So if that's um, beach volleyball, then a little bit's going to go towards beach volleyball and give them some opportunities. So it's really a, a wholehearted look at all of athletics versus just your collective that's focused on getting your five-star transfer out of the portal to come to whatever school it is. Does that make sense? It does. It does. But see, the cynical side of me is going to say, and I know some of the older people that listen to our podcast are going to say, well, I mean, how much different are you guys? I mean, you look at Success with Honor, who we hope to have the uh, CEO on the podcast here shortly. I mean, they're going to say that they're not much different than you guys because they provide some sort of what, these tier systems. Just remind me of Patreon, by the way, um, and, and the, the the kind of crowdfunding they do. Um, but they are, they're going to argue that they're not that much different and that they do provide opportunities to a lot of different athletes. What's your rebuttal to that? Yeah, so uh, I, I, partnerships partnerships at the end of the day. So when you talk about athletes, um, you talk about partnerships and really if you take the model that NIL is and you, you look back on the last 10 to 15 years, NIL in the collegiate athletics space, it's that term is new to everybody in NIL and college athletics, but in terms of influencer and the creator economy, none of this stuff is new. So if you look at the LA market, which I mentioned before is in the top three markets in the country right now, so you look at that DMA, the demographic there, and you can say, hey, we're going to set a partnership up with you, which, by the way, there's a lot of talk right now around the country about major brands, Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies not being involved in NIL, and they're not sure how to get into it and stuff like that because they're a little bit scared. They're a little bit hesitant, which they should be. If you look back on history, that 10 to 15 year window, they were the exact same way. So now I believe that in the next couple of years, even the next year, you're going to see you're going to start to see some of those Fortune 500 companies really dive their toes into NIL. So when you think about Los Angeles versus let's just take a school like, um, I don't know, name name me somebody in the Big Ten. Let's go. Let's go Michigan or let's go Penn State just because we're talking on a Penn State podcast right now. So if you look at Penn State versus L.A., the demographics are completely different right there. We're talking about a top three media market versus State College, Pennsylvania. So there is a there's a disadvantage there for Penn State football. Um, so my argument to you uh, on some of the other folks that would say, well, OK, you've got collectives that are probably doing the same thing with tier systems and so on and so forth. Um, there's a background and a history with J1S that has proven itself time and time again that they can get partnership deals done at the highest of levels with people like a Dr. Pepper or a T-Mobile um, that really are going to separate some of their athletes amongst other collectives around the country. That makes sense to me. I'm with you. Do you see, I suppose, the the bad side of this. You already kind of talked a little bit about, you know, the needing more education and financial understanding and what some of these student athletes are getting themselves involved in. Have you already seen 
you know, we, we hear about it all the time with NFL rookies coming and they blow all their money right away. Have you seen those effects yet? I know you're not necessarily dealing with the people all the time, but have you heard those stories already? I haven't yet. Um, to be honest with you, I do think the next six months to 12 months, we will hear some more of those stories around the country. Um, I think we see every other week that somehow somebody's NIL get, uh, deal gets leaked. And is it true? Is it false? Nobody really fully knows. Um, so on the financial literacy side of things, though, like I've got no doubt that there's going to be players that sign car deals, for example. And all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, I got to pay taxes on this car. I got to I got to pay for insurance. I got to do all this stuff. <laughs> I didn't sign up for that. So I think we're absolutely going to see some more of this stuff come to fruition and come to the table here in the next six, 12 months, because it's it's the inevitable, in my opinion. Like you bring out a new fancy toy. Not everybody knows the rules about the new big fancy toy. So I don't know if that fully answers your question, but I haven't totally seen the negative side of that yet. But I think we're all naive to if we think that that's not coming. Right, right. And I mean, we can talk about the overarching themes all day because I think it's it's fascinating. Um, I do want to ask you a couple other things. My co-host, Sean, had a couple questions. I do want to get to him while we're talking about this. Um, he was curious if there's any sort of conversation about federal regulation uh, from name, image, and likeness, and, and maybe even at the state level, and if, if that would play a role in, in how you know your partnerships got done compared to a school across the country. Yeah, I think it's hard, right? Like, you're not no, – I don't know that anybody is really truly sure – what actions are going to be taken, what laws are going to be implemented, because like I, I hate the phrase and I think everybody else hates the phrase, too. And I know Matt Brown does the wild, wild west, but it is right now. And we're sitting in this limbo period here in the middle of July and all of a sudden fall's going to start and you're going to start hearing about fall football and media days and fall camps and everybody's going to get all fired up again. And then it's going to be like, well, are there going to be rules implemented per state? Are they going to be ruled per conference? Are they going to be ruled per um, like NCAA? Like, I don't know that anybody truly can put a good pulse on what's going to happen. And I think that makes it a little bit scary. Um, it's a challenge, no doubt. But at the same time, like if you're in this side of the industry, you you got to roll with the punches. And that's a part of me trying to open my own company here in a couple of years on the personal branding side of things. Anybody that started a company, anybody that's ever been a CEO knows that you're going to get your back thrown against the wall at some point in time. And it's about how you rebound. rebound. Um, so at the end of the day, I, I don't think that there's any good answer as far as I can say, yeah, I believe in the state of Pennsylvania that there's going to be this law implemented or regulation implemented by the state or the the big 10 conference or anything like that, because nobody truly knows until all that stuff starts to happen. Okay. Well, let's talk about your personal brand. And well, let's just say if, if we lived in the Mitch Gerber world, what rules would you like to see? You're, you've been a part of this and you've been kind of on the media side of things for a while now. What would you like to see done? Not just to protect student athletes, but perhaps protect the, uh, the fairness and equality of the game overall. Yeah. Um, boy, I can take this a number of different directions. That's a, that's a really good question. I'll start with college football. Um, and I've said this for months now. Um, and this started with the, the whole conference realignment thing. I do believe with NIL, um, I know others believe this too, that we're headed towards 
what is going to be um, almost an exact model of the NFL. So I believe that in the next, I don't know, two to five years, maybe not even with all these TV contracts, you see the big 10, you see the SEC net or the SEC and, and ESPN, all these, this major money that is dictating the future of college football. It's going to be a 32 team divisional type of league. And it's going to branch off from the NCAA. It's going to create its own league of college football. And that's going to become a a second NFL in some form or fashion. And you can't sit there and say, that's that's naive. That's insane. Look at the TV money. We're talking billions of dollars. At some point in time, and and this is the whole reason for NIL in some form or fashion, the foundation's got to break. That levy is going to break and all that water is going to come rushing through at some point in time. And these players are going to end up getting paid. We're going to see coaches contracts continue to excel. In my opinion, all that stuff I think is, is the reality. And it, it sucks a little bit for somebody that's been on the internal side of college athletics and has seen all the good that's been done with some of these other programs and other teams and stuff like that. But where we're headed and and what the NCAA is today and NIL and when that came into act, like it's hard not to sit here and think about what comes next. Are is the two super leagues the end of this? I, I believe that it's not. I believe that we're headed towards some sort of NFL format, um, and it's going to be a whole nother debate of which thirty-two teams land in that super conference, and that will be one heck of a day. Yeah, that was a real bummer. Um, yeah, you kind of just bummed me out a little bit. No, I mean it's 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 definitely possible, and it. I think you would you would have an argument with some people that would say it wouldn't matter if there was college football at that point, it wouldn't be college football to them, and and it's hard to argue. My question about all that is, um, and I think this was brought up um, by Adam Bittner uh, with a uh, Pittsburgh media member, and and he had a point that I thought was interesting, and I thought it's especially interesting for you. Um, I guess now West Coast guy, uh, because he was saying that there is a avenue with all this TV money where things do break apart again. And I'm and I'm curious if you agree with the idea that a team like USC, the reason why they're joining the Big Ten, obviously TV money. I'm hearing that the number isn't now going to be in the billions, especially if the Big Ten is able to get Notre Dame. Uh, the the money's the money's there, but would a team like USC, would they have been willing to stay in a conference like the Pac-12 if they would have got a bigger piece of the pie? Would a Clemson stay in the ACC if they were given a bigger piece of the pie? Would, you know, Georgia, who, who's now kind of dominating the Atlanta market, would they be willing to stay or maybe not expand the conference if they got a bigger piece of the pie? Is that enough if everyone started doing that? If the Illinois, well, maybe not in Illinois, the uh, Indianas or the Purdue's of the world would say that's okay if Michigan or Ohio State or Notre Dame gets more money than us. As long as we get to play and participate, we're okay with that. Is that possible or is that is that not ever going to be the, the reality? I mean, I think we're too far down the road. I, I don't know that there's any turning back at this point as far as if you take that element of things, because I, when, as you said that, I'm thinking about, okay, if I'm USC and I saw this stat somewhere the other day with all the conference realignment stuff and the Pac-12 network, I think USC was making something like, or they were responsible for 40% of the Pac-12 network's income or something like that, but they were only getting 
20% of the piece of the pie or maybe not even 20%. So to me, it's like, okay, if you look at that in your USC, right, you're sitting there going, well, we should be making more money than this. And if you're, um, I don't know, Cal or somebody else that's in the Pac-12 conference, you're like, I think back to your point, you're, you're happy to be there in some sense and you're happy to be making the amount of money you're, you're making. But I, I don't know. I, I don't know which way I would lean in that argument if, um, if that did come back to the table. But I do think like with this latest break and cracking the foundation of USC and UCLA coming to the Big Ten, like <laughs> we're too far down the road now where um, I think the billions are out speaking the other situation that you were talking about. Right. No, that, that does make sense. I have one question for you and I, and I don't expect you to know the answer to it, but I, we've been talking in the last two weeks about it. And honestly, I haven't been able to read or find a, a rhyme or a reason for why this is the case. Um, obviously the big 10 looks like they're waiting for Notre Dame. And whatever that actually means, while all these other conferences allegedly are having these conversations, um, if you ask me, I don't think anything's going to happen before this next season starts. Um, but my question is, if they really did tell Oregon and Washington, hey, just hold on a second, let's just see what Notre Dame has to say, why? Notre Dame will join or not join whenever they want. Why is Notre Dame the piece that the Big Ten wants before they continue? It's not like they would say no to Notre Dame three years later if they already had a Stanford and a Washington and a Cal or a, or a uh, or an Oregon. In fact, in my opinion, if you had a Stanford, if you had an Oregon, maybe that would entice Notre Dame even more. Do you have any thoughts on that? It's a, it's a really fair point. Um, and I don't think I've thought about it that way. I think we get so caught up in, oh, Notre Dame, former Big Ten and a prestigious football school and prestigious institution, right? Like for me, I guess I've only thought about it that way. And I haven't necessarily thought about it the way that you're talking about. So I don't have a good answer for you. Um, but I do think you're right in the aspect of if Notre Dame decides in three years that suddenly they want to join the Big Ten, is the Big Ten going to say, nope, too late? Well, I don't know, but that goes back to my hot take earlier, if you want to call it that, about, well, it's three years too late for anybody, and we're going to all of a sudden be in this 32-team NFL-style college football model that's driven by Fox and ESPN. Um, I I don't know. That's a really fair take on your part. Thanks, Mitch. Yeah, I'm still waiting for someone or even to find (laughs) something that someone wrote saying explaining that. I just haven't yet. Let's pivot a little bit here. Um, The Mitch Gerber audio experience. What is your plan right now? What is your plan in the future? Give me your elevator uh, elevator pitch. Oh, I love this. Kind of like a little shark tank pitch right here. Um, we can do that. So yeah, I'm basically Mr. What I'm trying to, <laughs> yeah, you're a tough sell then. Um, basically what I'm trying to do with the Mitch Gerber audio experience is two things. Um, actually three things. Number one, I'm trying to, to answer this year long question when I launched this thing of what is brand, um, such a general question that is thrown out there in multiple different various, um, elements of business. We're not talking just athletics. We're talking about corporate America. We're talking about, Um, influencers, all these types of people that have so-called brands, like what is brand? So my thought process with that is let's talk to as many different athletes, coaches, CEOs, as we possibly can to really try to answer that question and put this almost 
I'm not going to call it a packet, but some sort of presentation together that is going to be an educational element for athletes specifically. So they can say, okay, this is a little bit of a, a social experiment of this person said what this is about brand. This other person said this about brand. So maybe if I can take those two ideas and put them into my own, I might have something here. So that's part one. Um, Part two is I really want to focus on working with some athletes one-on-one. I've been successful in doing so already. I can't give those names away to date because we are very, very close to launching a couple of um, podcasts. And so that excites me. Um, I enjoy bringing my 10 plus years of on-air experience in the sports world to be able to help some of these athletes that um, like a Draymond Green want to start their own podcast and um, and be creators and stuff like that, because they see the opportunity within NIL and the space that is today. So, um, I want to work with athletes. I want to work with coaches. I want to work with CEOs and help them develop their own brand identity, because I think we're in this area of life right now. And in the world where we hear about personal branding, we hear about influencers, creators, all this stuff. But what does that actually mean? Nine times out of 10 athletes come to me and say, I want to start a podcast. I want to make $100,000 doing so. And it's so fun to have that conversation for me to backpedal and say, all right, let's start at square one. What do you believe that brand is? What is your personal brand? How do we get to your goal? And we've got this whole strategy and content and stuff like that. So um, that's part two. And then part three is really just to, to continue to, to scratch my itch of talking to athletes, talking to coaches, people like you, um, CEOs, stuff like that where we can just have genuine conversations about NIL. We can have conversations about what you're cooking tonight, um, what fish you're catching, what beer you're drinking on the boat when you're doing so. I just believe like life is too dang short, Corey. Like why not have some fun with this? Um, talk about random conversations and just try to educate people, try to have funny conversations and lightning conversations, honest conversations. Um, because again, I, I think life is too short and why not enjoy it? And why not have a little uh, passion while we do this? Well, first of all, I air fried my own spring rolls for the first time and they were delicious. Oh, nice. And to add to that point, um, especially as far as the podcasting goes and the having fun goes, uh, we are not sitting here. You did not hear any advertisements tonight. You did not hear any sort of we're not uh, sitting here talking to Mitch because we are racking in uh, very much money. So um, <laughs> it's all about kind of having fun. And I, I think that's really cool that that's that's part of your your mission statement there. I'm kind of curious. You mentioned coaches. Personal brand coaching. I haven't heard very much about that at all. Can you kind of dive deeper into that? Are there coaches out there like uh, that are ready for that sort of, I don't, I, I can't even imagine something. I get, I, get, I get why they have agents and all that, but I mean, I can totally see why, you know, a James Franklin would want to have some sort of brand or why, like, I just think right away of coach chaos. And he, I guess he had his own kind of brand, um, but you don't see very much of that kind of stuff. Great, great question. And I appreciate you actually listening um, because most people kind of glance over that. But there is this untapped market um, of coaches. And I'm not afraid to say that because I think coaches know it. And I think that there's a lot of coaches in the country and I obviously can't work with every single one of them. So um, but there's like if you think about do you know who Gary Vanderchuk is or Ryan Serhant or any of these um, 
media moguls, as you want to call them, business moguls. Do you do you recognize those names? I do not. So they've got massive brand teams. So I'll use Gary Vanderchuk, for example. He's got multiple different sides to his company. He's got an office in New York with a massive team behind him. Um, I think his net worth is dang near $1 billion, something in that element. Um, so I kind of take all of this and I go back to the very start of our conversation with you saying, man, like, why did you leave Penn State, right? I loved Penn State. I loved coming to work every day. I think you guys saw that with my passion and the ideas that I tried to bring to the table and tried to push some of those boundaries with the podcast and the pregame show, postgame show. Sure, were there everything that we wanted them to be? No, but it brought a different insight and a different look into a program that was on the road, that was at home, and, and really no other team around the country was necessarily doing that. So for me, it was like, this is fun. I've got to be able to take some of this stuff and apply it somewhere else. And then it starts to spin in my head of, okay, you want to start your own business. What does that look like? So going back to your question about coaches and branding, there are all these people around the country, CEOs, athletes, influencers that have these brand teams. And you're sitting there going, why does a college football head coach or an assistant coach or a coordinator that's on the rise not have a brand team to separate themselves. Because how many times have you been on social media and all of a sudden that same person continues to pop up on your feed and you're like, I, I, this dude's all over my feed. There's a reason for that. And so if you start to think about coaches and all the, the coaching world and how quickly things move and how fast they move around, well, nine times out of 10, if you have your brand and you have a presence to you and you're not James Franklin, but you're that lower tier coach that's trying to get your start as a wide receivers coach or a safeties coach at a different program. If you have a presence to yourself and a, a different coach can run across your stuff and it's you maybe doing some practice highlights, or maybe it's you, you know, teaching some one-on-one -on -one stuff in the off season right now. Maybe it's you showcasing you to the time with your family or, or out on the boat with coach Franklin, whatever it is. There's not enough of that right now. And I think that some coaches need to open their ears as far as just being willing to have the conversation about what would a personal brand coach look like for me? So that's my it factor behind coaches is I think there's this untapped market of coaches that want to get to the next level that know the importance of having a personal brand and just need to do it but don't necessarily a have the time to do it or the understanding of how to do it. The first two people I think of are Jay Wan Sider and Kenny Sanders. I feel like those two guys, you could, you, that would be easy to, to make a brand around those two guys or, or obviously individually. Um, yeah. They would have and, no and issue think, about, think about how much those two love social media. Like, like Jay Wan and I, we've known each other since he was at the university of Florida. Um, I spent two years there with him and then he went up to Penn state first. I, came up there after him. And so we've, we've had a relationship. Um, and you think about a guy like that, that is active on social media, right? Anytime Penn state signs a recruit, he puts out his little bat signal. Anytime that he's riding his little three wheeled scooter car, whatever that thing is, he's putting it out on social media. So these coaches have fun with it. It's just a matter of how do you build off that? And how do you build off it consistently? Because there's this drop off when the season starts, it's like, summertime we're traveling we're posting content we're having fun all of a sudden fall camp starts and it's football which absolutely it should be football but if you have a brand coach and a brand coordinator whatever the title you want to name them is all of a sudden you can say 
well, my content's going to stay consistent. And then if Jaywan all of a sudden's in the running for the head coach position at the University of Florida and he gets that position, his social media is already turning. He's building that fan base. You know what I'm saying? So there's this, there's this huge opportunity, and I'm obviously passionate about it for coaches um, to, to really elevate themselves through their brand, in my belief. You know, um, I go back to Sean Spencer because he did have, I don't know if it was called chaos or he had some sort of actual brand on this one on his social media. He used to have it linked on his, on his Twitter profile, but it's not there anymore. So I'm not curious if that's still a thing. Um, but that was the first guy I kind of thought of because he had shirts made. He had all sorts of stuff um, with, with his time at Penn State. And I think he took that with him when he, when he left too, as far as continuing that. So um, yeah. And the, and the hard part about some of these um, situations is like coaches will often try to trademark some of their phrases so um, if they leave that, they can take that trademark with them. So, um, yeah, like chaos is a great example. He's that's his brand. That's his identity. He has it on social media, has it on shirts. Um, every guy in the huddle knows what chaos is, calls him coach chaos. Like there's a brand identity to Sean Spencer. Some coaches struggle with trying to figure out what that identity is. So, yeah, if you leave and you go to a different job, I've got that trademark. I've got that legalized so that I can take it with them. And it's not to say, oh, all of a sudden, Penn State, you can't use that. But in some form or fashion, it is, right? Because you've you've established that identity. Same thing with, with me. Like, I am a absolute nobody in this world. But I've got the Michigan Radio experience. I'm going to launch this company here in the next, hopefully, couple of years that's going to elevate itself. And, like, I'm going to take things with me that I've learned and applied and have trademarked and stuff like that to, to just really continue to establish my brand and stuff. So I, I think you're right. Like you've got those people and the coaches in, in locker rooms that have their identity and have those catchphrases, if you want to call them that, um, and take them with them. Right. Right. Yeah. And he actually just tweeted like six days ago, something about wild dogs. And he actually still used a picture from Penn State and he didn't even care. So that was cool. I saw that. Um, Mitch, I, I want to get, well, actually, before I get to that, since we're talking about branding and coaches specifically, is this something you ever spoke with James Franklin specifically about? Personal branding? Yes, but did did Franklin or did you ever have a conversation with James Franklin needing to personal brand himself? Uh, no, not to this extent. And honestly, I had not known enough about it, um, not because I wouldn't have had the conversation with him, but strictly because I wasn't confident with myself enough to say, yeah, I know what I'm doing on social media. And I think one of the biggest things that I've um, been able to do stepping away from Penn state, and this is not a, a knock on Penn state. This is not this, like, don't take this the wrong way. Um, but I've, I've just been able to separate myself and really have time to think about, okay, like what is personal branding? How does social media work? What are the strategies behind all this stuff? What do athletes or coaches or CEOs actually need to do to elevate themselves in this world? So um would I have the conversation with James Franklin today? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think his brand is already pretty established and he's got a, a strong name behind him, obviously being one of the top head coaches in college football. Um, could he create more content? Could he have a videographer with him full time that follows him around and creates content and all that stuff? Yes. I just don't know that anybody's actually had that conversation with him or any other head coach around the country. Um, when I think about personal branding for, for coaches, I do think about the J1 siders and people like that, that are on the brink of something so big um, that would that extra 1% really just push them over the hump. 
Um, I, I don't know, but as far as personal branding, coach Franklin never had that conversation with him. What I will say in rebuttal to that though, is like James Franklin understands everything. That dude is so smart. He is the CEO of Penn state football and he knows the importance of social media. He knows the importance of what that logo means. He understands the importance of what content piece goes out when, and what copyright is what copyright, um, out on social media, like he's involved and it's such a, a interesting thing, like other programs that I've been a part of. So university of Florida, Jim McElwain, not involved, Iowa state university, Paul Rhodes, not involved, big 12 conference commissioner Bullsby, not involved with that stuff. But James Franklin, it was so cool to sit there and have a conversation with him in the back office of our social media suite in the last football complex where he would come by and say like, Hey, what were we thinking about this tweet? Or, Hey, we should do this, or I've got this idea. What do you guys think? And he would actually listen. Like, do you understand how many head coaches don't do that? So to be in that position and to have those conversations with him and for him to understand the importance of it in today's world, I think is really cool. Yeah. I mean, nothing's nothing's changed with James Franklin as far as that. I mean, when I was president at Nittanyville and he would be, I remember we got in trouble because of the whiteout copyright stuff and how we're allowed to do one of those. He was DMing us on Twitter saying, Hey, we got to do another whiteout. We got to do another whiteout. I know I can't say a whiteout cause I'll get in trouble from people, but you guys have to do it because otherwise I'll get in trouble. And, and I just think of the, as someone walking around, um, recording all day, I can just imagine. And just uh, the first person I thought of was just him and PJ Mullen just walking around different places in state college and just PJ Mullen, just getting random people fired up to see Franklin. I could, I could probably watch that movie all day long. So, um, and, and there were so many times that, I mean, for, for those that have listened to your podcast for a while now, obviously no PJ and it sucked when he left Penn state, he was one of my closest friends and, and allies there, um, as far as getting stuff done. But like, we would have conversations about that stuff. Like, what can we do that we can go out on the town, whether it's in the RV lot or we're doing some sort of pregame show on Friday before fans get into the stadium on Saturday? Like, stuff like that, where we tried to open up the curtain a little bit more than you guys have seen before. We would legitimately sit there, have a glass of wine at his house on Saturday after the game, and we are, we'd already be talking about the next week. Like, we love doing that stuff. And so, yeah, like when you start to have a relationship and conversations with somebody like James Franklin and all of a sudden you're going up to him and saying, we're going to do this or we're just going to do it. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, that was cool. Right. So like PJ, PJ is the man. He he's tenacious. And I think <laughs> him being partnered with James Franklin, especially early in Franklin Franklin's tenure at Penn state was, was perfect. And I mean, if you haven't listened to that episode, it's still up. You have to go all the way back pretty far. Um, but he talks a lot about how he got the gig with James Franklin, and it's it's a pretty cool story. Super so definitely, cool story. definitely recommend you guys check that out. Um, I wanted to mention one other thing you said, and I think it's kind of important one to highlight too, because I feel like a lot of potential athletes at Penn State might have what they think is a brand. And I guess there's two parts of this, but really it's just them being a part of Penn State. And I'm when you said you branched off and you learned more about how brands work, I think that's a, a tough lesson or, or potentially could be a tough lesson um, for some of these athletes once they leave Penn State. Because all of a sudden, you know, 107,000 strong isn't going to be watching you every single day on Sunday, although that's my favorite part of Sundays. It's not everyone's favorite part. So I thought that was an interesting point. But one other thing I had to mention and, and ask you about, Mitch, because I think this is something – when I first thought about name, image, and likeness, 
and how it was all going to go down. One of the biggest issues when we were um, at Nittanyville was a bunch of businesses would try to do stuff for Nittanyville to sort of backdoor their way in to kind of looking like a Penn State football sponsor without actually being a Penn State football sponsor and paying that money. How are those conversations happening now when, hey, I'm a, you know, a top end corporate sponsor for Penn State Athletics and yet Joe Schmo with the used car lots getting more time and more, you know, airwaves with some of these athletes and therefore getting more athletic team time. I mean, how are those conversations taking place and and how is it fair? Yeah, uh, life's not fair. (laughs) That's my that's my best answer as far as that goes. Like we the the word the world of fairness as far as that stuff goes i think is changing and it's changing quickly and rapidly and so like you know the the old saying like um adapt and survive like i'm not saying it's to that extent but in some form or fashion when you put it in that light of um deals and sponsorships and stuff like that and all of a sudden joe schmo's chevy dealership down the street is now getting more time with ex-athlete or more sponsorship time like yeah, you are competing against people now. And you're like, I love that personally, because it's like, you got to compete every single day in this industry and in, in some form or fashion. And so um, like to answer that part of your question, it's, it's not fair. And I don't say that because like, there's this backdoor deal that going on or that backdoor deal. It's like, who can be the best salesman now? Because all of a sudden now athletes can say, or like I could reach out to an athlete tomorrow and say, Hey, I'll pay you $5,000 to come do 10, a 10 part podcast series with me. And if there's nothing else on the table for that athlete, $5,000 sounds pretty dang good. So if I'm Joe Schmo's Chevy dealer and I'm going to have this ex athlete host this 10 part podcast series um, versus give $5,000 more towards putting our advertisement logo up in Beaver stadium on Saturday, you got to weigh the pros and cons of which one's going to have more reach, which one's going to hit a different audience, which ones, if you're a car dealership, your audience is obviously probably um, middle twenties to probably fifties, sixties, somewhere in that range where people are buying new cars. Um, So you just got to like know your demographic and you got to understand that. But as far as, as fair play and, and all that stuff goes, like, if you can, if you can have relationships and you can use those and you can work with athletes and, and be respectful and honest and all this stuff, like you're going to go somewhere. So I go back to you asking me about like partner or uh, not partnerships, um, branding, personal branding with athletes. Like I want to work with athletes because I want to be a part of those conversations and, and help them get content so that they can all of a sudden get hit up by Joe Schmo, Joe Schmo Chevy dealer. Um, and then they are going to make $5,000 for their podcast. Um, if that's what it is. So that's the first part of your question. Um, this, the, the earlier part to your question, I forget what it was. Remind me again, you were talking about. Mm. I, I've ar- both of us. Yeah. I've, I've already moved on to my follow-up question or, <laughs> Go or, for or, it. or, or statement of, I should have been funneling money somehow through Nittanyville and just been doing pizza <laughs> deals with different people uh, behind the athletic department's back this whole time. You know, that- you know, Nittany, Nittanyville is a is an interesting um, case study, and I see what you're saying about Nittanyville is not directly associated with Penn State University. You are, but you aren't, if I'm not mistaken. Correct? 
Yeah, that was that was there was a lot of conversations with with Brad Keen um, and, and with with Corey and PJ at different points as far as what the heck we are and what rules we follow and what can we do. It, it eventually boiled down to we couldn't do things or promote things that weren't already Penn State sponsors at the time. That was what, what I, people could give us stuff, but we could no longer promote anybody who was not a Penn State sponsor. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a very very interesting case study, and obviously every school at the Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three level has that in some form or fashion. So um, I think today actually it probably makes things a little bit more clear. Like uh, I think if you're not directly associated with the athletic department or the institution, um, that I would imagine you're able to to try to make some deals happen. So if that's um, let's go back to Penn State as just an example, and we want to say, um, hey Sean Clifford, like why don't you come up to Nittanyville on Wednesday and you're going to give away pizzas. We've got the pizzas for you, but now we're also going to give you $500 to come in and spend some time with us for half an hour and, and whatever it is, you're going to talk to us. You're going to hype us up, um, hand out pizzas. Well, I think it makes it more clear now that you can do that versus before. Obviously I, I don't know, like you're, that's the question that you're asking. And so um, luckily I'm now on the other side of it where I don't necessarily have to worry about is this program internal, external to a certain extent? Like I get my answers pretty quickly now. Um, so I guess that kind of answers your question, but kind of doesn't. It's a, it's a gray area. That's for sure. Yeah. I think that that's the, when this whole thing went down, that was something that was fascinating uh, to me because that was something that we were battling all the time. And at the end of the day, they could have just kicked us out, uh, out of Beaver Stadium if they wanted to. So we, you know, yeah. you, you can only push that button so far. Um, right. I'm glad that you brought up Sean Clifford because Sean Clifford's kind of doing his own thing right now. And uh, when he launched Limitless NIL, he was kind of out there on his own as far as an athlete doing that. So he, he's basically, for people who don't know, he's basically has his, in a way, an NIL agency. And he's, and he's kind of doing what you're hoping to do as far as educate and also um take care of and, and maybe also a little bit of powerful with numbers and, and stronger with numbers um through name image and likeness and all those different things and liam clifford his brother's involved extensively too um what have you heard what i'm sure you've ha probably had conversations with sean clifford about this yeah uh sean clifford and i like we we had we have a really good relationship and um, you know, I'll share a really cool story with you, actually. So July 1st of 2021 is when NIL came into official act in the state of Pennsylvania. And um, Sean Clifford was super interested in this stuff. That's obvious. He started his own company with all this stuff. I was super interested in this stuff. I was still working with Penn State Athletics at this point in time. And so I was down in the weight room at the Lash Football Complex and, and Sean and I were just kind of standing next to each other. And I was like, dude, like, what's going on in your DMS today? Like, like, are people hitting you up? Is it no different, whatever? And so he showed me his phone and he's got all these DMS and his Instagram and his Twitter trying to solidify deals. And he, like, it's like, what is going on? Because no, everybody's all of a sudden just throwing money at you, right? Here's $500 to, to do this. Here's a thousand dollars to talk about this, whatever it is. And it's like, okay, he quickly realized that he needs some sort of person to help him and and some sort of individual to help manage his brand and stuff like that. And luckily, his parents are incredibly smart when it comes to this stuff. And 
He's incredibly smart. Liam's incredibly smart. But you saw them adapt very quickly, and he was super passionate about this stuff and still is. They've got their the, the Cliff Bros app together. They've got their Limitless NIL, and that's all um, kind of a startup company. And they've got students that are helping them. They've got people that just graduated, and Aeneas Hawkins is helping them. Like, what great opportunities for those guys to be able to take something that is – student and athlete led and really have that relationship and that be their spiel to other athletes around the country. And so I'm not going to lie, like it's been fun to sit there and see them have success and announce those different athletes around the country. And um, like him and I have had conversations just about, you know, what do you, what's going on there? Like, how are you doing this? Or what, what are you seeing in this space? So um, I'm very thankful for the relationship that I have with Sean Clifford because um we've been able to lean on each other in some of this stuff since I left Penn state. Um, and so I wish nothing but success to him and, and the crew there at limitless MIL NIL, because I think they are doing something very different. You've seen that on fine bomb. You've seen that across the country with different articles written on ESPN and Fox and so forth. And it's, it's really cool to see them take an idea and run with it and execute it. Sure. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. No company is, but it's cool to see a group of young entrepreneurs succeed in a space that is brand new. Yeah. I mean, there's, I, I, there's, you just kind of summed that up perfectly. Um, you mentioned, you know, all, all the best for Sean Clifford. The dude's been here for six years now. Um, it's starting to hard for me to remember a time when he wasn't uh, the starting quarterback for Penn state rather than when he, when he was um what do people need to know about sean clifford from a football aspect of things if if we can get just a little bit of football analysis from mitch today about sean clifford and what to expect um obviously he went through some injuries last year um people tend to forget how good he was playing before the iowa game um what was that kind of moment like from then forward and and what are maybe your expectations for him as he heads into i got to assume this has got to be his last year i mean (laughs) they're not gonna let him keep coming back (laughs) oh who knows who knows what'll happen um i've got a couple of things about sean clifford and that side of things so um i I do think sean clifford gets an unfair rap amongst the uh, amongst the penn state fan base and i can say that now since i'm not affiliated with Penn state athletics on a day-to-day basis anymore. Um, and the reason that I say that is if you guys spent five minutes with Sean Clifford in the last football complex or away from the complex, whatever it is, the human that this individual is, is light years ahead of some others. Like he is smarter, more, uh, more intelligent. I mean, just well, more of a well-rounded individual than, some people in everyday society. And I don't say that to bash on other people, but like Sean Clifford is a human that excels at an elite level. When you go back to that Iowa game last year, think about everything before that. And this has been a conversation amongst the the Penn State fan base from that point on. If he doesn't get hurt in that game, there are not many people that can argue and say, Oh, Penn State wasn't rolling into that game. If they win that game, Corey, they're number two in the country. With a healthy Sean Clifford, a confident Sean Clifford, 
you can't tell me that the way that he was playing before that game wasn't at an extremely high level. And I'll always go back to a conversation that I had with Reese Davis on the Unrivaled podcast. And I think this was in 2019 when college game day was in town. And we were talking about, you know, Penn State and we were talking about Lee Corso crowd surfing on, on game day and stuff like that. And then we had a conversation about Sean Clifford. And what was really cool to me about what Reese Davis said was, if you're going to wear number 14, you better command some respect. And that phrase has stuck with me from that point to till today. And when you wear 14 at Penn State, you better command some respect. Sean Clifford commands respect. In the way that he carries about his everyday business, in the way that he approaches every single practice, the way that he approaches every single game film, he is in there hours upon hours studying this stuff. And I know that Sean Clifford, some performances, have they been at the highest of levels of what people would like them to be? No, he would admit that though, right? So when you look at Sean Clifford and the, the human that he is and the football player before that Iowa game, you cannot sit there and say, man, I think we would have gone downhill if, if Penn State didn't win that game. They were number two in the country. Sean Clifford was healthy. Like, that dude was freaking rolling. Confident. Like, confidence carries you so much further in life than what I think people realize. So, for, for Sean Clifford, like, yeah, we joke about, I don't think he can have another season at, at Penn State after this year. But, like, man, I, I hope that he absolutely lights things up on the field. Um, I'm sure you've heard, I'm sure everybody else has heard that, like, he looked really good this spring. Um, I wasn't able to obviously take in any practices, so I can't give you firsthand knowledge or experience on that, but I can tell you like that dude's confident when he's healthy. And when you have a, a healthy Sean Clifford and you have that poised command confidence, Penn state's dangerous. Yeah. You keep talking like that. I'm going to have to go put some money on Vegas for some for some <laughs> for, for some Purdue game and for some uh Clifford Heisman um dark horse stuff. Yeah, Dude. and 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 you know the cool part too is I think like for Penn State, like I'm super excited to see the future too. Like you guys have all seen I think you reposted it, Corey. Um like the the squat videos of um people maxing out and stuff like that. Like this is the time of year where people get all fired up about that stuff, right? Um, but I think that the differentiator between elite programs and successful programs is is the healthy the healthy fashion of things. Like if you can stay healthy and you have that situation through week, what were we week five um, before Sean Clifford got hurt at Iowa? Like, man, I, I, I know that like you just sit there, everybody sits there and says, what if, like, what if that doesn't happen? And all of a sudden Penn state's number two in the country. I can't even remember who they played the next week, but like, man, that would have been fun. And I think this season, like you've got that healthy Sean Clifford, you've got, Parker Washington, who's probably wide receiver one plus the transfer wide receiver. Um, both of those are going to be up for argument of who's wide receiver one, wide receiver two. That's a that's an elite wide receiver core. You've got a good defensive front again. You got PJ Mustafer returning. Like you've got some good youth in the backfield. I mean, just just a lot of upside that I think Penn State fans should be excited for. Yeah, no, I I agree with you, and I. I... All the conversations I've ever had with Sean Clifford, all the times he came up uh, to Nittanyville and all the, because when he, when I was there, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't important. You know, he was just the backup to Trace McSorley. So, um, 
dude dude is awesome and i'm with you as far as all that i do want to plug you uh you have part of that interview with reese davis on one of your episodes talking about lee corso uh surfing at the college game day whiteout definitely recommend you guys check out that story because that was that was fun to listen to i did not know um did not know some of those things so that that was cool to see um but 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 i the way you were talking there, Mitch, it sounded like you're a Penn State fan now. Are are you a Penn State fan? <laughs> I get asked this question so many different times. Like, I, dude, I you don't just know. spoke. You just spoke a lot more passionately than I've even spoken about how 2021 ended up being. So I don't know, man. You you were fire. I was about to run through a wall in here, dude. Like you think about 2019. So I'm sitting here recording this in my apartment right now here down here in Dallas, Texas, and I've got the the cotton bowl credential that's like staring me in the face. And like, I'm sitting like the cotton bowl experience with Penn state football was one of the best experiences of my life. Like I'll give you a couple of the top moments in my broadcast career. It was the cotton bowl in 2019, spending the week down in Dallas, Texas inside Jerry's world on Christmas day. There's, there's Christmas music playing in the, the giant jumbo screen right there. Like all those little things that fans don't get to see on a day-to-day basis are the, are the moments that you cherish forever. Um, so the cotton bowl, I covered the college world series for the university of Florida in 2017. I believe it was their first national championship in program history. Got to be the person running out on the field. They immediately getting a, ca- a camera shot plus an interview with coaches and players um, to the point where the next summer, the sec networks, got my face pinned up on the wall on, on the, on the screen at, at summer meetings saying, why is this person out in the huddle getting film of this? And it's like, those are the moments that I love uh, that I live for. So you got the 2019 cotton bowl, 2017 college world series. Um, I think any game day experience um, I got to be a part of various different national championships on the, with the Olympic sports Um Man, like there's a lot of them, but that Cotton Bowl back in 2019 will always stick out because it's like you're with this small group of family that gets to travel down there for a week. You're going to practices. You're covering the team. We're trying to provide access to you guys that are back home, enjoying the time with your family during Christmas. And I think a lot of people don't realize those individuals that work in sports as well as play sports, like they're away from their family. So you got to be able to adapt and accept the team around you as your family during those um, times of the year. So like, am I a Penn state fan? Uh, I, I don't like, I don't have a good answer for that question because any place that I leave, like, am I a Florida fan? I don't know. Am I, am I a big 12 fan? I don't know. Am I an Iowa state fan? I went to school there. Like, I don't know. Yes. I, I cheer for their success and I cheer for the people that I know within those programs because I love them to death. But like, am I an everyday fan where I'm going to come sit there and tailgate with you? Uh, probably not. But I don't know. Who knows? You can come tailgate with me anytime you like. <laughs> Mitch. There's no doubt. You about bring the that. beer. Yeah. No, that 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 goes without saying. You're good there, um, dude. I mean, I could I could talk to you forever about all this stuff. I mean, it just sounds like like what you said. Probably, I guess it would have been like 30 minutes ago now. Um, it's one thing to just sit down and have these conversations with people that care. And, it, and it's obvious that you care. Um, you remind me so much of, of the Brad Keens of the PJ Mullins of the Matt Browns of the world. And I don't know 
how I just keep getting this lucky as far as the people I have um, been able to interview are, are kind of all cut from the same cloth. Um, and I'll even throw Charles Huff into that, who I had the opportunity to interview last year. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what it is, but you guys are fantastic. You are fantastic. Um, I learned a bunch today. Um, I probably have to rewatch this like twice to really understand everything that I learned because this was fantastic hour and 10 minutes. Hey, let me ask you a question before we leave. So obviously we did all that stuff at Penn state on the media side of things with the pregame show and the postgame show and the podcast and all that stuff. Uh, like what did you guys enjoy about that stuff as fans? Because we really truly never got to have the conversations with you, like, uh, like you Corey or anybody else in the fan base of like, Hey, is this stuff that you guys actually enjoy or are we just crazy at looking at these numbers that they're working? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and that's something that I was thinking about today, actually, or maybe last night, because I was it's to the point now where there's so much Penn State football content out there. Not necessarily all good, but there's stuff out there. If you really want to, you could sit all day and read or watch or find something or or at least a good amount of it. And so. When you guys are pumping out all that stuff, yeah, th- that kind of thing came to my mind. And I, you know, at certain points didn't get to watch all of it. Um, I think the biggest thing that I always liked was what you mentioned earlier and, and pulling back behind the curtain. And maybe that was something because when we were at Nittanyville, we had those opportunities. Like we got to go to Lash and sit down or we got to go and, and work out in some of the machines or sit in the meeting rooms or whatever the, or sit where the donors get to sit, you know, outside of James Franklin's office, all those kind of things were cool because I got to do those things. So when you guys do those things, I always thought that was, that was my favorite part. Um, I always liked, and you mentioned game day too. I always liked the interviews with Reese Davis and anytime you guys could talk to Kirk Herbstreet. Yeah. Especially because they also validated what we already knew. Right. And there's something about, a, a group of guys that get to go and see the best games and the best teams and the best environments. And they make a point to come to happy Valley every year um, and share their experiences and, and, and share their favorite parts and, and also their different stories. Right. And, and, and all the different things they have to say. So um, those are probably my favorite parts of it. Um, you provided more, I think personal, connection with the players that we never had really had before. I don't think anybody sat down and and felt like uh, maybe the best interview was with Jahan Dotson or somebody like that, where you could tell that you and him were super comfortable. And it was just like, it was just a conversation that it felt like we were just sitting in on you two having a conversation. So I think that's something that you brought to the table um, that I don't know if anyone else really had been able to do beforehand. I appreciate those kind words. Um, it was a lot of fun. Got to do a lot. Got to fail at a whole lot of stuff, but it was all obviously towards toward bigger building towards bigger things. So I appreciate that. Certainly, certainly missed some of the days where you're doing the you know the college game day stuff. You're talking to Reese Davis, Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet, um, people like that, Maria Taylor, Holly Rowe. But um, obviously, you know the direction I'm ahead now. So. Any athletes that are listening, if I can help you with your personal brand, let's do it. Yeah, and I think maybe that's the best way to uh, to finish that because, you know, here at Hardcore Penn State Football, we're a brand. And we actually started out a couple of years ago technically focused on all of college football before I realized I just like Penn State football too much. Um, what are your tips 
for those people out there, can you give us like a, a one free tip for any athlete or someone who's just starting any sort of brand? That's a, that's a, I like that little uh, advice to end this thing. So, um, I, I actually think one of the biggest things that is holding up athletes right now or people in general is from creating content, creating a, a personal brand and all that stuff is such an easy tip that is actually way harder to do than what people realize. And that's really, truly not to care about the opinions of others. I'm pretty sure I put a tweet out about this the other day. And it's just like the amount of people and the athletes that I talk to that are like, Hey, I want to, I want to start a podcast. I want to start my personal brand. And then they do it for two weeks and then they quit. It, it is nine times out of 10 that that is the case. And it's sad and it's frustrating because we've come, we've become a society that like, if you reach out to me, Corey, and you bash me and you say, Mitch Gerber sucks. I hate the way that you talk. I hate the questions that you ask all that stuff. Like over time, if you read that stuff, it hits you, it eats at you. And so if you're a player and you're trying to build your brand and all of a sudden you've built your brand and now game one, you, you have a fumble on the one yard line that costs Penn state the game, or you, or you missed the layup at the buzzer that could have won the game to get to the NCAA tournament. Like, then you got all these people that are going to say, well, you suck. You shouldn't do this. You should have not focused so much on your personal brand. When in reality, like if you just set your goal, you set your strategy, and you know that you can't necessarily 100% care about the opinions of others and create consistent content more than two weeks worth, you're going to be successful. You know, I don't know if you have a name for that rule or tip yet, but you should call that the the Mike Gusecki rule because <laughs> nobody and when I, when I hear about stuff like that all the time, there is nobody uh, else that comes to my mind except for him and what he was able to do from the scrutiny that that whole team faced in, in, in 2016, but also in 2015 um, and what he was able to do and what he was able to come back from and how he refocused and how he got a lot of hate. And a lot of people didn't want to talk to him or, or say anything nice about him. And he buckled down, he focused, and now he's making millions upon millions. Um, that That's the first person I will probably always think of as far as those things. I, I always know on the podcast side of things, I think I saw somewhere, like if you post 20 episodes of your podcast, that's more than, I don't know what the percentage, but it was like an astronomical number. Like you have already done better than like 80, 90% of the people. So um, I if think that's a good create- one. If you create 21 podcasts, only 5% of podcasters get to that point. 5%. That, that's astronomical. So like, that's what I'm saying about consistent content, personal branding. Why does it matter? We want to we wanna achieve the $100,000. We want to have the partnership deals with Lululemon or whoever it is, right? We all want that stuff. But at the end of the day, the people that are going to be successful in this space and the people that are going to be successful in the careers are going to be the individuals that set aside the work, they're going to put in the work, and they're going to achieve those goals and create that consistent content. So yeah, if you think about 21 episodes, how long does that realistically take? Not a whole lot of time. You just have to continue to put that content out. It's not going to be perfect every time. This conversation wasn't perfect. Can I go back and after this, can I say, oh man, I wish I went to said that to Corey. I don't know, maybe something. But like we're creating consistent content. 
all the little micro pieces of content that you're going to get out of this podcast that you could put out on your pages or I could put out on my pages. Like you got to think in terms of long-term play versus short-term play. So yeah, 5% only achieve 21 episodes. It's pretty astronomical. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's perfect. And I don't know, maybe you have something to regret, but I I think this last hour and 20 has been, (laughs) has has blown away my expectations. So uh, Mitch, I regret that we weren't sitting on the boat drinking beers talking about this. That's what I regret. Okay. Well, the next time, um, whoever gets the boat first, the other person brings the beer. (laughs) Um, we'll, we'll call that even, um, Dude, you have a safe flight out there. You have a, I'm not, I'm not going to even say you have a good time. I'm not worried about you having a good time out there. Um, <laughs> you'll be fine. Uh, but seriously, Mitch, I appreciate you coming on. Do you want to plug, 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 please, uh, before you head out of here? Yes. Appreciate you having me on, Corey. Anytime that uh, you want to talk about NIL, college football, college athletics, anything like that, please don't hesitate to reach out. But uh, for those that are still listening, you can you can uh, DM me, you can send me questions, you can whatever you want to follow along. If you want to work on your personal brand, please reach out to me. Um, Mitch Gerber on Instagram, Mitch Gerber on Twitter, Mitch Gerber on Facebook, um, pretty much any social media platform, TikTok, just reach out to me. We'll have a conversation. Otherwise, MitchGerber.com. And then be sure to subscribe to the Mitch Gerber audio experience. Yeah, you guys have to check out that audio experience. There's already been, I think there's what, six episodes out already. And you, you already hinted Seven. at a couple more. Seven? Okay. Seven. And um, and they're, they're quite delicious. So uh, Mitch <laughs> Gerber, everybody, thank you very much. And I will hopefully talk to you soon. Thanks, Corey. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Mitch Gerber. Dude is a top-notch pro. We appreciate him spending a lot of time with us on a random Wednesday afternoon. We will be back. That's right. Sean and I will be back. Business as usual starting next week. I'm sure I'm recording this a week in advance, but I'm sure there's a lot to talk about as we head into summer camp. So I hope you enjoyed this. Please go follow that man on social media. He is a great follow. And hopefully, hopefully you check out his podcast as well. If you've gotten this far, please drop us a subscription as well. You guys have a fantastic rest of your day.